You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think um, a lot of times what people believe is if we have grace or compassion for those who are going through divorce, then it means that we're devaluing marriage. And it's just not true. So both things can they can uh, coexist. So I can both um, celebrate it, value it believe that, you know, it does take work and to also know that there are times when um, people are in an irreparable uh, situation, even if it's at the current moment, right? There are some people who years later then reconcile if they have, you know, done some work and transformed. So we're not saying that, you know, things are impossible, but there are times when it is not God, it is not loving to uh, leave people in a toxic space and demand that if they love Jesus, that that is their cross. You hold me to your chest, you like a memory. We both wish we'd forget. Welcome to the Deconstructionist Podcast. I'm your host, John Williamson, and it is now April, although at the time of this recording, as I'm recording this intro, um, it is the end of March, and uh, life has gotten very strange uh, for me and for everyone else. Um, We are, um, I don't know what you would call it, I guess self-imposed quarantine. Um, The state of Ohio, where we record, has actually gone into kind of a mandated shut down. So no non-essential travel. Most of the businesses around us have closed down. So it's it's a scary time. There's a lot of people that we are friends with and family members who are dependent upon um, having businesses that are open and having clients uh, that can show up and, and that sort of thing. So I um, feel very lucky. Adam and I have been uh, texting back and forth and having virtual happy hours uh, together. Um, and uh, we, we're very lucky. Our, our day jobs um, are, you know, allow us essentially to work from home. Uh, so we've been doing that for the last couple of weeks or month by the time this comes out. Um, and uh, it's kind of scary not knowing when um, we'll be back in the office um, or when, you know, things will get back to some level of normalcy. But um, I think it's good, you know, that uh, we're taking the steps to try to slow the spread and hopefully um, get it to the point where it's manageable and we can kind of resume life as it was before. So we'll see. So stay safe out there, everybody, you know, wash your hands, 
practice good social distancing, um, lather up and hand sanitizer and all the other things that are recommended. So, um, so anyway, uh, this month, um, we had recorded a couple episodes a while ago, actually. Um, I've been working on putting together a series, although it started out as one episode and uh, ended up as two episodes. So the month of April, we will be diving deep, deep, deep into the topic of divorce. So if there are some, out, some of you out there who have either experienced divorce uh, firsthand, whether that meant means that your uh, you know, your parents went through a divorce or you yourself went through a divorce. It's a very tricky, um, it's a very tricky thing to go through. A very, it, it can be very painful. It can be, um, it, it could be in some instances the lowest point uh, of your life. And so, add in to that um, the fact that a lot of uh, Christian denominations or or strains of Christianity uh, tend to not be, uh, we'll say, uh, helpful. Uh, and there's some shame that can potentially come along with it. Um, it, it just makes, um, a pretty terrible, um, experience even, you know, that much worse. And so, um, so I brought on a special guest. So I, I really, really loved my conversation, uh, with this guest and I have to give credit where credit is due. Um, <laughs> Natasha, who's been helping me out <clears throat> with the podcast, um, my de facto personal assistant, um, put this person in front of me and could not be more grateful. Um, now get back and send those emails. Just kidding. Um, but this guest was really great. She's a, she's not only a therapist, um, but she's also an ordained minister as well within the Methodist church. So she's a licensed psychologist, um, ordained minister and sacred artist. Um, she's worked nationally and globally to provide leaf relief, excuse me, relief and empowerment to marginalized persons. Um, she's a professor at Pepperdine university and, uh, she's got a lot of other accolades. I'll put the, obviously the links in the show notes. She's also got an amazing podcast called the homecoming podcast, uh, where she does, um, singular episodes on different topics. And so what's interesting is I just popped on here. I subscribe, um, she has an episode, episode number 38. I'm sure she'll have well, um, well into the forties by the time this comes out, but episode 38, she did on, on, uh, coping with anxiety and uncertainty, um, and dealing with the coronavirus outbreak. So, um, she's just got some really great topics on here, uh, embracing the, and, uh, the authentic self, um, dealing with depression. Um, and of course, uh, one of my favorite episodes she's done on the topic of divorce. So, um, so really great episode. Um, really enjoyed it. Um, and what else? Ah, yes. So the episode after that actually um, turned into kind of a unique thing that I've never done before with the podcast. It's actually got two guests on it and two guests who are uh, good friends of mine who agreed to come on and be very vulnerable and, uh, and open and talk about their personal firsthand experiences with it. And so um, my friend Chelsea and my friend Ryan uh, both came on to give the female and male perspective. And, and so we'll talk more about that later, uh, but that will be out in two weeks after this episode is kind of a, a complimentary episode uh, to go along with this episode. But um, Dr. Tama Bryant-Davis is our guest this week. She's incredible, um, just does amazing work, has a lot of really uh, good um, tips and best practices uh, when dealing 
uh, with divorce, specifically in this episode. So, um, so we get into it. It's a, it's a personal episode for me. Uh, it's something that I've not talked about publicly on the podcast. Um, we've just kind of alluded to the fact that last year was a rough year. And so for me personally, um, I, I did go through a divorce personally, and it was not an easy time. Uh, it's not something I ever set out to go through, as I'm sure uh, any of you listening who have been through one, um, no one ever says, you know what, I'm going to get married and someday I'm going to get divorced. You know, that's not, that's not the goal. So um, last year, this last year has been a, a personal, uh, a year of personal self-reflection and um, just a, a year of self-reflection and trying to figure out, um, you know, how, how we can do better next time if I'm so lucky to, to get a second shot at it. So, um, and, and how to best take care of uh, my daughter. Um, so, so um, this episode is a little personal for me. Um, and I always view my own personal experiences uh, as opportunities to hopefully or potentially maybe help somebody else. And so uh, if you guys um, benefit from this episode, then, then fantastic. And that's um, what I hope it, it serves as, is something that is, is helpful. So I hope you guys enjoy this one. Um, like I said, I, I really enjoyed the guest. And uh, as usual, if you like what we're doing and you want to support us, uh, it could be anything from leaving us a five-star review on iTunes, which helps us gain exposure, helps other people find us, uh, following us on social media. Um, you can go, if you go to our website, www.thedeconstructionist.com, you'll find all of our previous episodes. You'll find links to our social media. You'll find our blog. That's way, way overdue for new material and new content. Uh, we're working on it. Um, you can find uh, our web store. So if you want a t-shirt or a mug or a sweet pint class uh, from which to drink your ale, um, we have those on there. And we also have links to our Patreon uh, campaign as well. So we have some cool stuff on there if you want to support us on a monthly basis. Uh, obviously, we know um, a lot of you are probably in, in financial uh, dire financial straits right now. So uh, if you can, great. If you can't, um, you know, just say hi. That's fine too. So anyway... Without further ado, uh, ah, before we get to it, the musical guest is Ed Prosak this week, and uh, he was kind enough to let us use his music for this episode. If you like his music, uh, follow him on social media, uh, go out and find his music, and, uh, and as always, like support the artist if you can, and follow our Spotify playlist. We have a Spotify playlist for the podcast where we update it along with the guests that we use that week. So thank you guys so much. And hopefully you enjoy this episode. And again, in two weeks, we'll have another episode as a complimentary piece to this one. So hopefully you guys uh, are digging it. And then we'll be back in May with new topics. So thank you guys so much. Without further ado, here is Dr. Reverend Tama Bryant Davis. Welcome to the Deconstructionist Podcast. I am so excited uh, to have today's guest on. We've gotten a lot of requests uh, for certain topics that just require someone um, well beyond our expertise. And so uh, we have Dr. Tima Bryant-Davis on today, uh, who is a therapist. And uh, I'll let you talk a little more about your background, but um, thank you so much for being here with us today. Oh, thank you so much. I am excited that you offer this platform and glad to be a part of it as we think about integrating our spiritual health and our mental health and relationships. So I'm grateful. Thank you for the invitation. 
Absolutely. So, so tell the, the listeners a little bit about yourself, uh, your background, sure. and how you got into your work that you do today. Yes. So uh, growing up, I grew up predominantly in Baltimore, Maryland, the daughter of a pastor. And that really was my first exposure to um, what's traditionally called pastoral counseling. Um, And being African-American, especially, um, people didn't really talk about going to therapy. If anything, they would talk about going to talk to their pastor. And so growing up uh, in the parsonage as the pastor's daughter, um, it was a common occurrence that people would call the house uh, in distress. And even if my parents weren't there or available, people would just start talking or just be overwhelmed. And um, while I have a brother who's two years older, it kind of... we got into a pattern where he would hand me the phone. If he answered and people were upset, he would hand me the phone. <laughs> and I just um, have uh, a heart and for uh, hearing people, being willing um, to bear witness and, um, you know, walk with people through those valleys. And uh, so I had that interest early and then learned more about uh, psychology and doing it, you know, outside of um the outside of church. And so I had an uh, interest in um, majoring in psychology and um, really wanting to help people be well and whole. Um, And I do feel like it is a calling, a vocation, that there's a um, large piece that you learn studying in school, but there is also, um, I would say, like a um, gifting or calling for it spiritually. Um, and I also eventually um, accepted my call into ministry, um, which took a while because <laughs> uh, growing up, I um, would often hear my parents speak negatively about people who were only pastors on Sunday. Um, and, you know, they kind of had the thought of if, you know, if you say yes to God, you need to give God everything. And um, especially within the African-American tradition, uh, a quote unquote real church is not just open on Sunday, right? It's yeah, open yeah. <laughs> seven days a week and there is ministries and services and, you know, all kinds of things happening that makes it like vital to the community. And so because I really felt called into psychology, then um, the, it, the ministry part didn't seem um like it, it was an authentic calling for me because I wasn't going to walk away from psychology. Um, and then as I got older, I got exposed to more people who were what we call bivocational and that that wasn't like a terrible thing <laughs> <laughs> that you could do ministry work and also um, have giftings and interest uh, in other areas. Um, so getting that uh, exposure, I did um, accept my call uh, into ministry. And so I um, am an ordained elder in the African Methodist Episcopal Church, and um, I'm not a lead pastor, but I usually do uh, ministry with women, mental health ministries, and I love the sacred arts. So I direct the dance ministry, the teen dance ministry at our church. Um, And so I'm uh, involved in that way. I ended up uh, getting my master's of divinity. And so really looking at being a bridge between uh, communities of faith and uh, mental health. 
And so that's my passion. And uh, so your platform is perfect <laughs> for looking at those intersections. Yeah, that's, I mean, you are uniquely qualified in that way. Um, and thank and you. the mental health thing, it, it, it's, we have always been uh, huge advocates of, of mental health and, you know, m- taking care of yourself in that way, just mm-hmm. as you would any other physical uh, thing. Yes. And so... But that's been a tricky, there's a tricky history, I think, in the church mm-hmm. when it comes to mental health. So how, how what was that like for you, uh, yeah. kind of balancing both? Absolutely. It was um, helping people to get out of what we call the false dichotomy or the false choice. Of, you know, people say, like, you don't need therapy, you need to pray. And it's like, those are not, like, options on either extreme of like, if you're going to pray, you don't go to counseling. Uh, So I talk to people about, you can pray on your way to therapy, depending on the therapist, you could pray at therapy, you can pray when you leave. So it's not um, that you, that doing one thing is counter to the other. So most people uh, in the faith also, you know, see medical doctors or call plumbers. So it's not like, are you going to pray or are you going to call the plumber? Are you going to trust God to stop the water from leaking or are you going to call? And it's like, no, you don't have to uh, choose and that uh, God can answer both directly and also God can work through people. Um, And so I think it also pushes up against uh, what I call the prosperity gospel that gets um, connected to mental health where Just like some people will argue, um, if you love God, then you're going to be wealthy, um, which ignores all the people of faith who live in poverty. Um, But also people will say that related to mental health, that, you know, if you love God, you'll never be depressed. If you love God, you'll never have anxiety. And it's just not biblical and it's not true um, that faith can coexist with our despair. Um, And so speaking the truth about that is important. Oh, that's that's so true. Um, so yeah. one of the topics that that we've gotten requests a lot about, and 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 just haven't haven't addressed really on the podcast yet, and uh, it turns out my personal life uh, kind of forced me to uh, <laughs> to to really think deeply about this topic is the topic of of divorce uh, with, yes. within Christianity. I myself um, have never have never spoken about it publicly on the podcast, but mm-hmm. um, but a year ago uh, I went through a divorce myself and. Mm-hmm. As you can imagine, very difficult time. But then on top of that, yeah. there is, uh, at least within some circles of Christianity, a, a stigma associated mm-hmm. with that, where that's not yeah. an option necessarily. So what what do you say to people mm-hmm. who are really struggling with that, but really probably yeah. should get out of an unhealthy marriage? Yeah. And first, I want to appreciate uh, your courage and risk-taking to speak the truth, because I think... Um, because of the shame and stigma, we often um, are all walking around with these silent testimonies, right, of things that God brought us through, but we can never tell anybody because of what they will think about that, right? So I appreciate uh, you naming it as not just like an abstract, interesting topic, you know, but a part of your journey. And um, one of the things that um, the the church has um operated in that has been harmful is to say we are willing uh, to save the marriage even if it kills the people. And that has really been um, a lot of churches and pastors 
approach and mindset that they will have people who come to pastoral counseling that are uh, dying spiritually, emotionally, and for some people physically. And uh, the response has been to ignore that and say, um, well, the, the success <laughs> is going to be in, you know, counting the number of years, you know. So even in my church, they have, you know, people stand and celebrate their how many years is their anniversary. And so we're counting numbers, but uh, ignoring health, ignoring wellness and sending out a message um, that God doesn't care about that or that it's selfish, uh, to be uh, concerned about your emotional and spiritual well-being. And um, there, there is also uh, within relationships, uh, one of the, the, the pieces of work that I do is looking at how the church can better respond to intimate partner violence or domestic violence. And um, traditionally, uh, we have been very silent and instead have... Um, really in, uh, put the weight of responsibility on people who have been victimized, whether uh, emotionally, physically, or sexually, financial abuse, spiritual abuse. And we say, you know, you should just pray more and submit, but we do not have a church culture of accountability um, for harm being done and not really an understanding of process. I think a part of what happens is we want to just have hope and faith that things will be okay without um, any accountability process or treatment. And it is uh, unfair to both people. And it also, um, even when people will put pressure on couples and say, you're supposed to stay together for the children. And you talk to, you know, I do therapy with children who have grown up in very toxic households and they're saying i wish we would have left yeah right so if you think right, you think you're doing me a favor by staying in this but like this is terrible right um so i think it it requires um a a, a new understanding of what um god's intention was we talk about that god is love that it is um, meant to be loving Right. And, you know, I've heard ministers say stuff like, you know, your happiness isn't important. That's just selfish. It's not about being happy. It's about doing what God said. So it's like Oof. if God is love. Right. And everybody living there is miserable uh, on various levels to ignore that um, is not only problematic, but um, we we can do harm. And then it's also not teaching. Um, you know, one of the things I do is uh, premarital counseling. And many things, um, you know, we are not just equipped or prepared for. So I think for us to hold up something as a value and a priority and then not really empower, teach, support people for that to happen 
um, is it's a setup, right? So yes, you love each other and that's wonderful, but we also usually grew up very differently, have very different assumptions and shoulds, uh, expectations. And many times those things have never been discussed. You know, people who are about to get married and haven't had a real conversation about how they uh, think about money, um, about their relationship with their uh, in-laws. You know, you have one who said like, oh, I thought we would hang out at my parents' house every weekend. And the other one was like, oh, I've, I'm, I'm uh, what is that? Uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm leaving and cleaving, right? Yeah. So like, I'm done, I'm done with that. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, sometimes it, it's to the level of things being abusive and other times it really is about people are not aligned, right? That, you know, we can, uh, there are cases when people are coming in and it's not so much that someone is so wrong, but it just doesn't align with each other, right? They're not on the same page about these major uh, issues. And so, of course, the easiest thing is to say a verse and send them home. But that's not, that's not doing pastoral care. That's not doing care. Um, it's really neglectful. And, um, and, and blaming and shaming. Um, I was doing a women's Bible in South Los Angeles and I had a woman come and she said, you know, it just really uh, broke my heart. She said, I'm divorced. Can I be here? Oh, and I said, right. I'm like, wait, what? So she goes, well, I just know like at some churches you can't be there if you're divorced. I'm like, no, 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 no. You are welcome. You're welcomed here. So it's like, what? How have we misinterpreted the gospel, where that is the take-home message? Um, and so, you know, it, it requires. I think um, a lot of times what people believe is if we have grace or compassion for those who are going through divorce, then it means that we're devaluing marriage. And it's just not true. So both things can, they can uh, coexist. So I can both um, celebrate it, value it, believe that, you know, it does take work. And to also know that there are times when um, people are in an irreparable uh, situation, even if it's at the current moment, right? There are some people who years later then reconcile if they have, you know, done some work and transformed. So we're not saying that, you know, things are impossible, but there are times when it is not God, it is not loving to uh, leave people in a toxic space and demand that if they love Jesus, that that is their cross. You know, so when, when God talks about our cross to bear, like it's not each other. Yeah. <laughs> it's one thing for us to, you know, work together because we're dealing with like an external force. Um, but when someone is being someone's cross, right, intentionally, then we have to really take another look at what um, we say is their responsibility. And I know for um, many people, it is the... It's a hard uh, deciding point because, yes, marriage is work. And then at the same time, there um, can be a, a place where uh, it is not working and uh, it is not uh, healthy and it is not God. 
And the the other thing sometimes we don't want to examine is sometimes this wasn't uh, God's choice for us. Right? Yeah. yeah. You know, sometimes we chose and then prayed that God would bless it. (laughs) So, like, like, well, this person's pretty cool. And, like, here I am. So, Lord, bless it. And so, um, you know, there are just so many pathways that could end up in resulting in in a person. Uh, or a couple being um, in that place. And when we are uh, so condemning and self-righteous, we turn people away from God. And, you know, the Bible says that nothing can separate us from the love of God through Christ Jesus. So does God love me if I'm divorced? Absolutely. Can God still use me? Does God still choose me? Absolutely. And so it is our hangups that then, uh, put people um, beyond the, the the reach or love of God. Sometimes I get lost in your memory as I wander these old dirty streets. I keep looking over my shoulder, thinking you were still holding on. To my head. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So. Yeah. Talk a little bit about, so I, I, I want to mention your podcast as well, because it's absolutely yeah. amazing. Uh, the Homecoming podcast is so good. And oh, thank you. You have such a gift for um, for covering like pretty dense topics within mm. f- 45 minutes to an hour. And so I loved your, you, you did a podcast, an episode on divorce, and you've done yes. a number of topics, including rejection, which I think, you know, goes hand in hand in, in a lot of instances mm-hmm. with divorce. And mm-hmm. you give some very concrete uh, things that to do and to look at and to think about, you know, when you're going yeah. through a divorce. And so what's the mm-hmm. first step when someone's going through a breakup like that? I look at it almost like another sort of mourning. We did some episodes yes. on, on mourning recently, and it just mm-hmm. uh, my my brain immediately went back to that because it is kind of a death, a death of a relationship. Yes, yes absolutely. And so, you know, giving ourselves permission to feel our feelings, and sometimes that can be another churchy thing where you can't have feelings, right? Yeah. Uh, when my brother went to seminary, he was talking about how he learned quickly the culture is whenever you say, if someone says, how are you? You're supposed to reply, I'm blessed, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. And it's like, no, I'm blessed and depressed, right? I'm blessed <laughs> and, and angry. I'm blessed and frustrated and disappointed. So to, uh, to heal, we have to first acknowledge the wound. And so to talk about um, uh, and give ourselves permission to, without shame, to feel what we feel. And there can be a range of emotions. So a part of it, as you mentioned, is the grieving of um, either what was, because sometimes in the beginning, um, it was good, um, or and sometimes it never was, and we're grieving what we had hoped for, like the the, the um, image or dream of what this was going to be. I was talking to um, one man recently going through a divorce, and he was saying he was grieving the idea that he was going to grow old with someone. And so, you know, he just, just you know, thought that's what it was going to be. And so now um, at this stage in his life, you know, being uh, alone again, right? So there are different pieces that we can uh, grieve uh, both the, we can be grieving that person's presence in our life in that way. And um, the relationship in the aftermath varies. Like some people 
shift into friendship and some people never speak to each other can never see each other again so we have to take all of that into account because sometimes we start comparing ourselves to other people but their situation can be totally different so grief is one another one is um, the sadness which uh, for some can turn into depression so really uh, being aware of that Um, for some people they're angry um they're angry if uh, maybe if it wasn't their choice and the other person was the decider or they're angry about what the other person did that they felt, you know, was kind of a last straw. And so, you know, can I love Jesus and be angry sometimes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can. You know, sometimes we're mad and we can be uh, disappointed. And uh, then uh, eventually, you know, people can also feel the loneliness because depending on how long you were together, whether you were getting along or not, there was just a presence, right? You walk in the house and there's a presence there. And so then to go from that uh, to either no one being there or just being there with the kids, um, there can, yeah, really be a loneliness. Another one is like a loss of a circle because some people were a couple that were friends with other couples. And so then once they're not a couple anymore, uh, sometimes the couples won't invite you because they don't want the single person there or they may have, quote unquote, have sided with the partner. Um, So there can be multiple um, losses related to that. And so allowing yourself, giving yourself permission um, to feel what you feel and what goes along with that is also having Uh, friends or family that um, where you don't have to perform. You know, some people, they ask how you're doing, but you know, like they can't handle the truth or like they don't really want to know the truth. So, you know, you give like the surface answer about, you know, I'm all right, you know, it's a transition, but it's okay. Um, But needing to have some people in your life where you can be real on like, oh, today was rough or like last night I couldn't sleep or, you know, whatever it is, you know, Um, being able um, to have those who will bear witness. That's so big. We we talk about a lot. Uh, we've done this podcast for about four years, been very blessed to, to be able to do so. And one of the things that we've constantly preached since the very start was just this need for community just in general. Yeah. And, yes. And how important that is with people that you can be authentic with without fear, you know, be, be open mm-hmm. and honest with your true, show your true colors and, and not, yes. and not feel ashamed of that. So I, I love mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So one of the things that uh, I love that you talked about, you just mentioned this and, and you talk about it in the podcast about divorce is because I felt this and I, I remember when I was listening to the episode, I thought, oh gosh, yeah, it felt good to know that I wasn't the only one. Um, mm-hmm. So when I went through my own personal divorce, I was 39 and mm-hmm. uh, found myself quickly turning 40 and then suddenly things were not as I had, had envisioned and planned. I don't think anyone gets yeah. married with the goal to get divorced, mm-hmm. you know, and right. Right, and, and so now you know, I find myself as a forty-year-old single person again with a with right. a young daughter, and and mm-hmm. uh, my friend my my friend groups are all in very different places. Many most of them are still married, and so it can be very isolating. Yeah. Uh, so it, yeah, so that seems to be common. Talk about that a little bit though, because I right, I think that's a danger, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, that you know, we say like the loss of community and, you know, people are, um, 
something. I think what ends up happening for a lot of people when they don't know what to say, they don't show up at all. Mm. Right. So they feel like it's awkward. And that goes into like our false teaching or false belief that there is a quote unquote right thing to say. Right. Like if I can find just the right verse, I'm going to say it to him and it'll cheer him right up and he'll feel better. Right. So one of the things that I learned in our chaplaincy course um, was called ministry during times of crisis is the gift of sacred presence. That is not about having the quote-unquote right thing to say, but just showing up for people. And um, a, a lot of times people are uncomfortable with that or, or feel awkward about it. And so um, there can be uh, this real isolation and feeling like uh, there are not a lot of people who get you, and that's just out of the circle that you were in, right? Although there are growing numbers of people um, who have gone through divorce or who are now um, uh, parenting alone or co-parenting, but if that was not a part of your prior circle, then it can really feel like, you know, not only what is this, but like, who am I? Because the last time you had that a single identity was however young you were when you got married. And so, uh, and also usually then that, you know, you did not have children. And so now it's like, you know, who, who is this person? And we have to be so careful as you talk about that time being dangerous because uh, sometimes we can look for things to distract us or look for things to numb the pain. Um, and so that can turn into food. It can turn into substances. It can turn into constantly scrolling on social media um, because, you know, that that uh, desire for connection and also wanting to disconnect from the wound or from the pain. Um, and so it's a... It's a challenging time, as you say, to build community, but it's so important um, whether it is um, thinking about individual counseling. Also, you know, some places have divorce recovery support groups, um, which can be really helpful because then you're uh, in community with people who are going through the journey, going through the process. Um, And so knowing uh, within ourselves, I think first needing to remove that stigma and that shame. I think even the languaging around "quote unquote" failed marriage, right? Yeah. It's like what a what a term, especially for people who may have been successful in life, right? Yeah. So it's like, oh, you were good at that. You were good at that, but this is a <laughs> failure. And I wonder about um, when we think about our spiritual and emotional health that sometimes it is a success to walk away. Yeah, yeah. And I think you know? I think for, for my ex and I, one of the things that mm-hmm. we had talked about, and, and, and we came away from it um, with the goal yeah. to, to be an example of mm-hmm. uh, two people who can, who can get along and who can co-parent yes. successfully. And Beautiful. Yeah, and, and it's, it's not always been easy. You know, there are times mm-hmm. where, mm-hmm. <laughs> where we, we get right. frustrated with one another, you know. Yeah, yep, absolutely. And it it is, and that's another thing, you know, that we don't give workshops on, right? It's co-parenting, you know, how do we, how do we navigate this and, you know, working through the communication and uh, trying to really honor the child. I remember at my 
um, daughter's preschool. Uh, now she's in high school. But when she was in preschool, one day I was dropping her off and the teachers were talking about how they were trying to figure out which parent had dropped off this little boy. Because depending on who dropped him off that day determines whether he can eat meat. Oh, and I was like, "What in the world? <laughs> like, what in the world? Come on, we can like do it on Tuesday, Thursday. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but it can be like these things that are, you know, like deal breakers. Or, so really, just trying to like uh, honor ourselves, honor God, honor the kids in the process. Um, and as you say, like it's going to be uh, imperfect. It's you know, it's a messy business. But when when it is a um, a priority for both people to do that, then we can, um, you can continue to communicate about it and try to find the rhythm of it um, in, in ways that, that work well. And what a great example for kids to see, you know, since people are so concerned about the children. Yes. How, you know, can they see um, people who, even if they decided um, that they weren't going to be together, that they were in agreement of their love for me and their want for me to have a good life, right? So that's an important lesson for them to get to see. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to go back to something you said earlier just about the, because I, I recall this from your episode on, on divorce, talking about mm-hmm. the importance of the role of positive friendships. And you used this term that I loved that I, I think a lot of people who may have gone through a divorce or even gone through a, a breakup of some kind could probably relate to. And it's mm-hmm. this term you use called cognitive distortion. Talk yeah. about that a little. What is that? Yeah. So um, we can come to believe some things that are not true. And it is how we make sense of traumatic or really bad experiences. And so sometimes that can be an overgeneralization, right? So this person that you were married to did this one particular thing, and then we can overgeneralize and say, this is what people do, right? Or this is what all women do or what all men do. Um, But we can also have uh, distortions about ourselves, how we think about ourselves and how we think about relationships. And so sometimes we are defining ourselves by our wounds um, or by the lies that we have been told directly or indirectly, um, often even predating marriage. And so, you know, growing up, uh, challenging things happen and we try to study them to make sense of the world and the conclusion that we come to Uh, can be off base, but we are living with it as our script. And so um, being in the presence of people who won't um, co-sign the lie um, or the distortion, but also people who we can hear it from, you know, uh, we have to be careful about only being able to be friends with people who agree with everything we say and do. Um, But instead, if if I can have enough Uh, trust, love, and friendship, that if someone points out something to me, um, that I can hear it and not without getting defensive. But even if that requires me now needing to adjust uh, how I consider things, you know, I was uh, talking with a gentleman recently who um, who had gone through a divorce and um, the script, you know, he just was holding on to was... um, uh, 
that because I, I asked him was because he works a lot. I asked him, was the job a part of what led to the demise of the marriage? And he says, well, that's what she said. You know, she said that I um, work too much, but I didn't hear her complaining when it was time to spend the money. Mm-hmm. Right. So he is dismissing <laughs> the the statement because you were paying bills and because you were able to get a nice house and a nice car. And so, um, you know, that was like the locked in script. And so I just said to him, oh, it sounds like she was lonely. Yeah. Right. Uh. That's it. You know, that's all like, that's it. That's what, yeah. Yeah. So that's what it was. Your wife was lonely. And, uh, you know, it was this moment of shifting. Um, and that's a part of when we talk about the recovery process, too, is in the beginning, usually, I mean, some people are different, but usually in the beginning, it's easier to see other people's stuff, right? You mm-hmm. know, what other people, you know, how they were a part of the the, the demise or the ending, um, but with growth and maturity and with grace and self-compassion, we can also start to see ourselves, you know, and see, you know, what was my role in all of this? Um, even if it goes back to my um, selecting or, or picking uh, to begin with, or the things I did not speak about that were actually important to me, but I just silently hoped it wouldn't be an issue, right? So it may not even be uh, overt, large behaviors, but the ways in which we navigate um, that can um, create pit, pits in a relationship. I'm on my way back down. You stop me because I know now that I was wrong. I'm on my way back down. Oh, it's too late to save me now because I was wrong. Yeah, and you, you talk about that in that episode too, as I recall. Um, mm-hmm. Learning from uh, your prior relationship yes. and and learning how to be better about uh, identifying potential red flags and things mm-hmm. uh, in future relationships. Absolutely. We can take uh, that wisdom with us. So, you know, one of the things we, we, you know, no one wants to do is like repeat cycles and dysfunctional patterns, right? Because else you'll switch people, but it's the same issues, right? Um, because sometimes what we're calling our type is actually an issue. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so maybe you need a new type. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so looking at what do I, what did I learn about relationships? What did I learn about myself? You know, and also sometimes, you know, depending on how many years you were in it, sometimes you have a different uh, list or qualities of what you're looking for. You know, when you were younger, you may not even have known some attributes were important. So it wasn't even like on your list of things that you were looking for in a partner. But in, in the aftermath, then you may have a different sense Um of what's important and what works well for me and and important conversations to have up front instead of, you know, just hoping in silence that we'll agree. Right. Um, Yeah. So people can bring more uh, wisdom, maturity, insight, but you know, that's having done the work. So I do talk about not doing the rebound thing, which can be hard, especially when, when people are lonely, Um, but really taking, time to heal um, and and 
get uh, insight and clarity. Um, and then, of course, what people often talk about is how the dating world has changed. Oh, my gosh. So, you know, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're like, what in the world? Uh, <laughs> so bad. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Clients coming in talking about the different apps, and they have to clarify for me, like, which app is which, and what does that mean? <laughs> so, it is an absolute um, nightmare. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, and that can be you know, uh, you know, a source of despair because it can also be not like one, you know, not having pictured being divorced period. But then even if you pictured it, um, not thinking maybe that it would be this hard or challenging or different to just find people you have something in common with, right. Or common values or interest. Um, so yeah, that's a part of the journey too. Yeah, talk about um, the the role of of taking time after your divorce for self discovery because you had this really great thing yeah. to say on your on your episode about uh, getting reacquainted with yourself and where. But mm-hmm. I think you you mentioned this a little bit a few minutes ago about your your priorities may be different. You may be a different person. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Uh, that sometimes we can think. Uh, being busy is being healed. So we can trick ourselves, right? That if I'm doing a lot, I must be okay. But sometimes we're doing a lot because we're not okay. That, you know, the silence is deafening. So to avoid the pain, I'm going to, you know, uh, call all these people or, you know, at, you know, go on all these dates or, or sometimes we throw ourselves into volunteerism at the church. Like the, the best volunteer, like doesn't want to go home is the truth, right? They yeah. want to go home. So they <laughs> sign up for everything. Yep. Uh, so, yeah. And so coming to the place of, am I busy or am I well? And that's not, you know, the same thing. And then also um, not wanting um, to uh, create more confusion because when when I'm in a really wounded place, it affects um, how I choose and what I choose um, because I am uh, maybe feeling so needy or vulnerable or, you know, so hungry to get back into something that's very deep. Right. So it's like uh, you're on the first date and already imagining like, so could they be a good uh, step parent to my child? Right? Yeah. Like, just right. Just try to like drink the Starbucks. But then, like, uh, <laughs> you know, so trying to just be um, present in the moment so that we can see it clearly instead of just seeing it through the lens of like our hopes and wants and needs. Um, but really hearing like what people are telling us, seeing what people are showing us um, so that it's not um, uh, uh, connecting with a fantasy, with our idea of who someone is, or them connecting with the self we are presenting, which could be different than our authentic self. One of the other things I talk about, I think in a different episode, is Sometimes if people are drawn to you when you're in your broken state, when you start to heal, then they're not as attracted. Like what they found attractive was being your rescuer. Mm. And so, right, If and they kind of, they liked it, right? They if they like you like that, you're not so sure. Are they going to like you when you have opinions, right? Yeah, <laughs> they're going to like right. you when you get your confidence back. <laughs> so it's, it's like, it's best not 
fully you. And unfortunately, I've seen that um, sometimes happen with couples. Sometimes you have people who like really do want the best for you and want you to be well and are pulling for you. And for some people, they're, they like the power dynamic of carrying you. And so when you start walking, it can disrupt um, the, the, the dynamics. Gosh. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I would love for you to talk, since we're on this topic of um, mm-hmm. growth and, and evolving as a person, it, I've, I've heard so many people say that the, the reason, the, co- the root cause of the demise of their marriage is because they just grew apart. Mm-hmm. And, and yet I, I think to myself, I'm like, yeah, as a human being, you constantly evolve and grow and, and you shouldn't be the same person mm-hmm. now that you were 10 years ago. I'm a much different version of myself now than I was yeah. back then. And mm-hmm. I, I think in many ways, a much better version of myself. So, mm-hmm. so I guess my question is within the context of a marriage, you know, when you're looking at uh, somebody who's divorced or even somebody who's never been married, but looking to mm-hmm. marry or remarry uh, in certain mm-hmm. instances, how how do you grow together uh, and mm-hmm. both evolve as people without growing apart per se? Yeah, yeah. So it it is a couple of things. One I would say is seeing, and if you're not dating them at the time, talking about how people respond to struggle and stress and failure. Because often our growth comes out of difficult times and the way we manage during difficulty, like what our go-tos are, um, often become issues in the relationship, right? So uh, some people, you know, their go-to in the midst of uh, stress is they need um, the admiration of strangers, right? So it gets into the flirtation, Right. Um, That for uh, some people, when they're struggling, um, they remove themselves from their faith. Like, well, you hear people say, like, God and I aren't on speaking terms. Right. So that's your go to is like when things fall apart, then then I disconnect from that. You know, that's important to be aware of, because for some people that will be their quote unquote growth. Right. If they'll say, well, I grew and realized I didn't like need to go to a traditional church. I didn't need to pray, you know, that my growth is within me. Well, now if you're with someone who has like a a counter value, right, that for them, when I am the most distressed is when I lean on my faith the most. Well, they can just look down the road and know. Uh, there's going to be some challenges there, right? So what is it that we, um, and it's not that our things have to be identical, it's just when they are counter to each other, right? Um, And when, um, you know, having conversations about how much uh, or what are the areas in which we have to agree, because uh, some couples have said things like, if the person doesn't agree with them, they think they're not listening. And that's just not like people can listen yeah. and still disagree. Right, right. right. But there are some people who are like, no, 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 you don't hear me. You're, you must not be hearing me. And it's like, they heard you. Right? They want me to repeat what they said. I'm like, they heard you. They just don't agree with you. Um, and so some people go into relationships with this assumption that like we have to be clones. So what are the areas where I'm cool with us 
having differences or different, you know, different interpretations, different ideas, and what are um, the areas that like I need the person who is my companion to a be in agreement on, right? And we have to like interrogate that for ourselves. Of you know, what are the things we're like? Oh, it would be nice if we shared this in common, but it's not. You know, it's not that deep. And then there are things that are that deep. Or like if you're if if you can't meet me here, if we're not eye to eye on this, this is gonna end up being uh, an issue. And um, often, you know, what we have in relationships are um, one some people pleasing, where we are silent about the things that are important to us, and we're just hoping eventually the person will see it our way, um, or when um, life shows up, disappointment shows up, uh, death of a parent shows up, um, that it can shift us in ways in terms of what are our go-tos or what are we looking for to nourish us um, that can end up uh, uh, splitting people apart. Mm. One of the one of the episodes that I really liked that you did, uh, I think I mentioned at the top of the podcast, was this episode on the idea of rejection, which I think is so mm-hmm. closely tied for a lot of people uh, when it comes to divorce. And I love you had I wrote this quote down. This is my notepad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you said, "Oh, good." Mm-hmm. You said, "Rejection is an event, not an identity." Talk about that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and this goes back to the distorted cognitions, or we also in cognitive therapy call it a core belief. Right. So what is it that you have come to believe about yourself and whatever we believe about ourselves shapes the way we feel and it shapes the way we act. And those things together, our thoughts, our feelings, our behaviors, those are our lives. So we are shaping our lives um, around these core beliefs. So uh, some of us are walking around with the identity. I am the rejected one. Right. And so from a narrative perspective, if I were to tell my story, I center my story around all the times I have been rejected and abandoned and not chosen. And I make that into the equivalent of me. So then if I am walking around with that as who I am, uh, then I will show up in spaces with my insecurities with my fear, with my um, expectation of the worst. Um, And then some of that can become a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Because I'm bringing it into the space Um, versus, so it's not uh, telling us to ignore the times we have been rejected, but to know, uh, you know, here's the challenging thing. Um, We are not always treated the way we deserve, But because we often believe that if I have been mistreated, uh, then that must be all I am worthy of. That must be what I deserve, that I don't deserve a good life. I don't deserve good treatment. I don't deserve love. And so uh, then I will settle, right? Because I'm just lucky, quote unquote, that they picked me. Right. Or I don't want to let people get too close because if they get to know me, then they will see there is not much to me and then they will reject me. And so then I'm emotionally unavailable or I'm masking and guarded and defensive. And so um, we release the idea that what has been done to us is our identity 
we recognize that those things happen. But even if I have not been treated well, I am worthy of being loved and respected and cared for. That I, I, it's an act of faith, really, to believe it if you've never experienced it. And that's, that's what's required for the wellness. Wow, that's good. <clears throat> the, Thank you. The, the last thing I want to ask you before, um, before we let you go is for, mm-hmm. for those who are listening right now who have either gone through a divorce or going through a divorce or even, like I said, just a, a bad breakup. Because a lot of times, mm-hmm. you know, you, you can be in a relationship for a long, long period of time and, and it essentially feels like a marriage. There's history there. Mm-hmm. There's, yeah, you know, um, your, your lives are so deeply integrated. Um, and I think a lot of people I've talked to have gone through that. Uh, oftentimes, you know, feel as if uh, they're in some way defective, and especially when they're trying to, to to begin the dating process again. And 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 as I said before, I think I don't think too many people get married with the idea that one day they're going to get divorced. Right. But I think for me personally, you know, I, I certainly never intended on doing that. But mm-hmm. I would absolutely love to get uh, married again and mm-hmm. and get it right this time. Uh, so, what do you say yeah. to people who are in that space where they're like? man, I failed once. Like, is this just going to happen again? Like, should mm-hmm. I take the risk kind of thing? Yeah. So I think, first of all, um, that it's, it's beautiful to get to that place of wanting it again. Because when you're in the grief and the pain, it's just, you know, you can be really in a shutdown mode, you know, and the isolation and, you know, and not wanting any parts of that. And so it is, um, it can be an indication of growth and healing to desire um, companionship again and to desire marriage again. And I think it is about, you know, that balancing act of bringing in the wisdom from the past, but not the baggage of the past. Right. (laughs) Right. So I want to learn the lessons. Like, let me, you know, uh, I that, you know, often you can be a better partner because you um, have have lived and learned and seen uh, the effects of different dynamics and also know the importance of communication and not just letting things build up um, and, you know, really being tuned in, right? Um, so to know that you uh, come in with that, uh, the wisdom of experience as opposed to it just being like, uh, tainted or negative, um, and then at the same time, uh, being mindful that the person you're with, unless you reconciled, is not the person you were with before, right? So not um, assuming that this person that like, oh, well, when my um, ex was silent, it meant this, this, this. So now I'm going to like lay that on this other person, which may not be the case at all. So it is um, being willing to see people with fresh eyes um, and uh, not making them carry the baggage of the past disappointments while you still have learned the lessons of the past. So it is uh, definitely possible and beautiful. And as we started with, God is love. So it's a, you know, it's a wonderful thing to be able um, to not only find it, but then cultivate it, uh, maintain it um, over time. 
God, you're so good at this. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> thank you. Well, you ask great questions. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I really appreciate you coming on. Like I said, I, I just, I'm a, such a huge fan of your work and, um, I think people need to hear it. So like I said before, go out, listen to the, the homecoming podcast, but, uh, where else can people find your work right now? Yeah, so the podcast is on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and YouTube. And um, my website is drtama, D-R-T-H-E-M-A dot com. And if you look up my name on Amazon, it's Tama Bryant hyphen Davis. Um, you'll see a number of books. Some I have authored, some I'm the co-editor, and some I have chapters in other people's books. Um, but the least expensive option is uh, I have an ebook called Tweets for the Soul, and you can order that on Amazon, and then you'll get the quotes and be able to apply them to your life. Oh, that's brilliant. I love it. We'll have all that (laughs) stuff in the show notes for sure too. So we can send send people that way. But, um, thank you so much for your time. This is, this is absolutely fantastic. Like I said, it was kind of a, uh, um, you know, uh, personal thing too, uh, for, for me to, to have you on, yeah. uh, kind of selfish reasons. So <laughs> but it's, I'm glad, cause like you said, you're not the only one. Yeah. And so then your experience, you know, allows you to ask the questions that people really want to know. So that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you so much. Uh, keep doing the great work you're doing. I, I really think you're helping a lot of people out there. So, and thank you again for, for coming on the show tonight. So Really appreciate it. Thank you. Blessings to you. Take care. From the beginning, we had to burn all of this to see what we were missing. And it always felt like something had to come and save us from ourselves, from ourselves. We were always hoping this would just fix itself, but it never will. Maybe this was hopeless. Maybe it was hopeless. It should be killing me, killing me, killing me, killing me, killing me. And I ain't losing sleep, losing sleep, wondering how this shit could have been. Maybe in another life, everything could have turned out alright in the end. But I ain't wasting time sitting here wondering how this shit could have been. Oh. But I can't help the feeling it was hopeless Maybe we were blameless But I feel just like a sinner Begging for forgiveness With the blood still on my fingernails I don't love you, I can't even love myself And all that's left is emptiness Sitting here wondering how this 
Start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.